0: Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Nine Lives Podcast, where our guest this week is former Rift Cat, former Oakland athletic, Jamile Weeks. Okay, welcome to the Nine Lives Podcast. We have Jamile Weeks. Honored to have Jamile Weeks with us. And Jamile, first of all, great to see you. And I want you to tell, uh, tell everybody what you're doing right now. You were with the River Cats in 2011, 2012, got your first call up in 2011. We're going to talk about that in your career.
1: But first, tell us what you're uh, tell us what you're doing with We M United. This is what we're doing, man. I'm. Uh, first of all, it's, it's great to be on here with Johnny D, a lot of history. Uh, as soon as he called me, man, I'm just a bunch of memories just popped up, and uh, they're good memories. So uh, to move forward, man. Uh, right now, I'm with a nonprofit, um, founded and work with a wonderful team. Uh, our mission is changing the narrative of underserved youth in their communities. And what we've been able to do right now, Johnny, is a plethora of things, but our main thing on our table right now is our baseball and softball after-school program with non-violence life skills. We've added a um, healthy feeding program. We've also added a tutoring school. We've also added transportation. And we spot ourselves right in the middle of uh, one of the worst neighborhoods, or at least um, the more necessary, more needing neighborhoods inside of Orlando. And we're creating a major change here. This is something we hope to be able to scale, not just here, not just in the state of Florida, but countrywide and uh, continue to grow to impact these kids and their communities.
0: I love this. I love this. Is this something that you have, I know you've always given back, even when you were getting going through minor league baseball and getting to the big leagues, you've always given back. Is this something that is near and dear to your heart that you've, you've wanted to do for a long time?
1: Well, you know, I, I had the heart to do it there in the Bay, and um, I did that in the Bay for the, for the stint that I had there. And uh, this is something that I was groomed in, I was raised in my parents did a good job instilling values of giving and lending into us instead of the values of taking and borrowing all the time. So we just come in position, man, and and we're raised to uh, glorify God in that manner. And we have fun doing it. I have fun doing it. I see the change. I see the impact. And to me, um, you know, changing a life and impacting the life it's more powerful than than anything you can possibly do. It's enjoyable and it's fulfilling. So, what better way to operate in a fulfilling manner, bro? So That's I how it. I look at it. I love it. Yeah. Now, growing up in a
0: faith-based home, did you before you got into? I mean, you guys played sports from when you were so young. But did you have, uh, say, you're, you're growing up? Did you have an idea like, hey, I maybe uh maybe I'll be a pastor, maybe I'll be a minister someday? You know, did you do you ever did you think about that growing up?
1: I knew it was always a possibility. I never gravitated to trying or wanting to be a pastor or a minister or anything of that nature. But, you know, my lineage of family, I come from being a preacher's kid and being yeah. um, the son of preachers and uh, family of preachers. So um, it's natural that speaking and openly communicating and developing and helping people um, it comes clean and natural to myself and, and my family. Absolutely.
0: Love it. I know you grew up in an athletic home. I mean, your, your brother Ricky played in the big leagues, your, your sister was a hall of fame track star at Southern. Uh, so you grew up, yeah. uh, you grew up in that, that, that household. I, you know, something struck me and I, I did watch an interview with you and you said, the one thing about your brother, you said, look, he never, ever let me win. Ricky never yeah. let you win. And that you that, you said that helped you grow. It helped you get competitive. I mean, you were so competitive with him, but you, he never let you win. How much did that help you?
1: I think it helped me big time, man. And, and I guess you got to be careful because it's, it's what's inside the child. What was in me was to fight, to put the effort in, to never quit. And when you instill those values into your kids, you can put them in situations that it challenges them to get a win. And so we had those values input into us through our faith and through our parents. And so now when we were outside, my brother had the same attitude I had. We just had a four and a half year difference. So it was a little bit tougher for me to win. Uh, so, so we kept up with it, but it made me better because I never quit. I never gave up just because he would get the wins. It made me better. So it definitely helped me in my journey. Now your sister was the best, best
0: athlete of the three of you. She was the best athlete. What was what was, uh, what was it like with her growing up?
1: Uh, it was embarrassing sometimes, you know. It, oh, who's going to win the race? We're going to race your sister, and all three of you run, and she's winning. You know what I mean? So it's just yeah. kind of like, all right, we got to separate from her a little bit, let her do her track thing, yeah. uh, get that together, and then uh, we'll do our baseball thing. And I think over time I was able to maybe get her. When, and so I can't even tell you how ever really, really beat her in that respect,
0: Johnny. Hall of Famer though, bro. How about that? Michelle, hall of Famer. How that how did that sink in? That's gotta be pretty
1: pretty cool. Absolutely. That's what makes me feel okay about it. That's that uh-huh. gives me a little bit of a uh, little bit of resolve there. I'm okay, though. She's a hall of famer. So there you go. Well, hey, I want
0: to I want to hear about uh, you know, you went through first of all your time playing in Sacramento, and then I want to talk about your, your call up in, in June of 20, 2011. The rookie player of the month came up, uh, but but talk about your time playing in Sacramento before talking about your call up.
1: Uh, my time playing in Sacramento is awesome. Um, the city itself, uh, there was a lot of support there. I felt like the fans uh, were involved, and I felt like the crowd there was crazy. It was just like they always showed up. The attendance was better than all the other AAA ballparks. I hope it's still like that now, but it was definitely like that when I was there. Yeah, uh, My teammates, I enjoyed them. The Michael Taylors, the, uh, if you go down the line, the Josh Hortons, the um, Chris Carters and uh, the Jermaine Mitchells, the, just the, the exciting quarter, Josh Donaldson's, the whole night. Uh, we just really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, man. And um, I came up there hungry, Johnny, you know, and came up there ready to play every day. Uh, the big leagues was in my foresight. I wanted to have that opportunity. I wanted to be there, but I couldn't get there too quick. Um, in Triple I had to wait for some movement because we had the big dog, the general there, which was Mark Ellis uh, right. at the big league level. So yeah. there was no moving him until it was time to move. So uh, I was just focused on my time, man. And it, and it probably came a little bit sooner than I thought, Johnny D, to be honest
0: well, with you. Well, and you said at the time, you saw, you go, this guy, Mark Ellis, is pure class. The way he handled everything when you came up, he, took you under his wing a little bit and told told you about the game a little bit. Talk about that transition and and Mark Ellis, uh, Mark Ellis a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, my whole thing with Mark Ellis was he was just a class act, man. I, um, like I said, when I went to University of Miami, I had to fight for a position and ended up winning my position. And so it maintained me as a leader in that position. Then in pro ball, I maintained my position. I was able to come in um, as the starter in each level. But then once I got to big league camp, you're no longer the king, the culprit. There was a, a a different sheriff in town, and uh, so that was Mark Ellis, and just a class act. The guy took me under his wing. He um, showed me some things that helped me clean my defense up. That was the biggest thing. He was helping me clean my defense up, showing me different footworks, things that made what I thought was tough plays routine plays. And he just kept on trying to show me how to be better. And one thing I didn't mention is that Mark was Given me the insight that I was next, I could say that. Um, not just by helping me, but verbally. Like, hey, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do that. You're going to have to do this because you got to get prepared to be able to uh, take my position at some point. Wow. That's great. So um, when I came up to the big leagues, man, after being in Sacramento, they moved him over to first base and it felt weird, but it also gave me comfort knowing he's on the field that makes sense yeah you know so that's kind of how that whole transition went man and shortly after that he was traded within like a week or two um to the rockies i believe from that place that's right yeah so uh classic that's fantastic
0: what do you remember about your first time up in the big leagues what do you remember about not necessarily your first at bat but your first experience getting up there to the show man
1: first of all i was on a flight from uh from, uh, whoever we were playing, I forgot who we were playing at the time with Sacramento. Uh, but I was in Sacramento when I got the call Yeah, and uh, they took me off the field there. If you remember, took me off the field. I didn't know what was going on. i never been called up before. So, yep. uh, kind of got some things. Uh, I think it was, um, Steve Scarsoni, I think. Um, and, uh, once I got the call, man, they flew me to Baltimore and the A's were with Baltimore. So I took that flight, got off the flight, uh, I think it was the night before, ate really good, have not eaten like that in the minor leagues. Uh, ate really good that night at the hotel. Showed up to the field all early. Like, you know, as a young guy, you got to get to like 1.30. Everybody gets right. into like 2.30 or so, yeah. 3. And, uh, yeah, I got there early, tried to get the nerves out. That didn't work. Still had them. And, uh, hey, at first, that first at bat, Johnny, I didn't even see the baseball. I'm dead serious. I, like, the ball was coming out. Like, they rubbed the ball up a certain way. It Like, coming from AAA, I thought the ball was, like, brown. I didn't understand what was going on. I couldn't see the spin on the curveball, uh-huh. the fastball. Four pitches, I think, I was down. It was just – I don't even know if I swung the bat. I don't think I swung the bat my first at-bat. It yeah. was just boom, boom, boom. I don't know what happened. So, uh, I came back in, and it was just like – they were like, what did you see? I can't see anything. I don't know what to tell you guys. If this is how it's going to be, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and then they led me off that game. So I was completely thrown off. I was like, really? So yeah. uh, I tried to give it my best, man. My next at bet I had some contact and, you know, I didn't get any hits that game, but I was able to get my feet wet and realize like, okay, all right, now you're here. Now you're here. Right. And that's what it took. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And you know, it's, it's funny you you had you know you got drafted out of high school in the eighth round by the Brewers, but you didn't sign. You're like I want I want to play in college. Was was that, was that a tough call? Because you, your brother at that point was playing pro ball. Was that a tough call for you not to sign? The eighth, eighth round is not that's a pretty high round. Like that's a that's that's God had to be tempting to sign at that point.
1: Yeah, very tough call. I didn't make the call until the end of July. You know, at that time they would follow you and negotiate with you throughout yeah. the summer, which if you didn't sign, they were actually trying to take me in the second round. Um, they were trying to take me in the second round for half a million dollars at the time, but we had good guidance around us. We had Chet Lemon around us, had my father, had my brother, um, having gone through the process a little bit, had agents that kind of cared about, well, they obviously cared about what percentage they would make. and they And they, and they also cared about, you know, just, what was best for my future. Right. Um, so uh, the biggest thing was I wanted to play with Milwaukee. I wanted to be able to play with the Brewers and they were giving me a chance to play shortstop. But after some prayer, man, and a lot of pushing the limits as to what we believe my worth was versus not going to University of Miami or going, which was my dream school as well. So I was just, what are you doing everything is right? You know what I mean? So um I was stuck with that. So we were pushing them to try to help me get in a position of what we thought the value and worth was. So they negotiated and, and, and um, drafted me in the eighth round instead of the second round. And so now I continued to negotiate and play throughout the summer and I was doing well. So they kept up in the offer, up in the offer, up in the offer and they got really close. Mm-hmm. Um, but towards the end, man, like the spiritual side of my life that I was raised in kicked in. Mm-hmm. And I saw things from a completely different perspective than i've ever seen it i saw a way to have everything that was in my vision and inside my desires but it took me to say i got to go the long road to get to the full road if that makes sense yes, for sure and it told me to go to college because i wanted to be a, an all-american i wanted to experience the college world series right. i wanted to play overseas and things like that didn't really happen in major league baseball as much then unless you're on the olympic team so i said i'm going to pass up all this opportunity for something that i don't know for sure that i'm ready for that i'm going to make it that this is a definite no so i went the long road and i said if you can't be successful in this route against guys that aren't even at the professional level then this will kind of tell you where you're, what you're ready for had you went to professional. Ball. Interesting, yeah, yeah. You got me? Yeah. So I took the long road. I wasn't focused on injuries and the negative side of things. I was focused on what I believed that I could achieve. And that's what led my focus. And, it was and a I great, chose University of Miami.
0: Great decision too, and that's a great school. So what was your experience like your freshman year at, at uh, as a Hurricane, what was that like?
1: Uh, as soon as I got on campus, they were like, you gave us the hardest time to get you here. You better kill it. (laughs) That was was basically the the word that I got. You better kill it here. And I was like, well, I I asked for what I thought I deserved. And um, I killed it. Uh, That's basically what happened. So I went in there and I didn't have a position at first. I was playing second base. They had a junior there. They had another sophomore at shortstop. They were intertwining. I was a high-level freshman that came in that they knew was going to have to work his way in, but probably would, just seeing if there was an everyday opportunity versus filling in. And um, that fall went, Johnny, and I did my job, hit three-something in the fall with these guys, played good defense, ran the base pass, as you know I do, and um, came in the spring, bro. I was starting at second base. Um, The sophomore and the junior were flipping off and on at shortstop. I manned down second, was batting first or second the rest of the season. And um, the rest was history, man. I was a freshman All-American that year. We went to the College World Series that year. And Johnny, I, I made the USA team that same year. All in my first year. Awesome man,
0: awesome. <laughs> and then you, then you're, uh, then you're an uh, eighth overall pick, up, I believe, with the A's. Uh, drafted first round. Did did you know how high you would go? Did you know where where you were going with that? I mean, you obviously have an idea you're going to be drafted pretty high, but did you have an idea it was going to be the
1: A's? Never man, I had been raised to do everything to the glory of God. That's literally how I was raised. I never even knew where my value was in baseball as far as where I ranked. I knew people always affirmed, like, hey, you're really good. Like, you're really, you, know, you hit really good. How do you hit like that? How does your little body hit the ball over the fence or like that? Like this? So I always knew I had something. I never knew where the game valued. me. And so um, as I got about midway through my junior year, I knew first round was a possibility. Um, but I also didn't know if I was going to follow the second round, third round, fourth round or whatever. I just knew I was just trying to do the best I could do and be the best I could be. And um, as we got about, say about March, April, it got serious. Like uh, teams were flying in and they wanted to know, like, what will you sign for? Where were you? uh, If we slot you um, in the top 20 or the top 25, are you willing to take this amount? You willing to take that amount? And that's when it got real for me. Yeah. And I knew, like, okay, I'm 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 at the top of the country right now. So um this is serious. So let's go ahead and finish strong, and let the chips fall where they may. Never knew I was going to Oakland. I thought I was going to Arizona. I thought I was going to the Rockies at one point. Oakland probably called me almost last. Yeah. And just said and I was actually the 12th pick overall. Oh, pick, that's right. Um, Yep, they told me if you would take, you know, the slot money and looking to play and ready to play this and that, which I was, we want you right here um, in the 12th round. I mean, in the 12th pick overall. And um, that was probably – I only had the opportunity to go two picks higher, I believe, um, at the 10th. And um, other than that, there were some bottom first rounds, middle to bottom first rounds that was – suggest a nice sign there. But uh the A's gave me the best opportunity.
0: You know, when you talked about growing up, like kind of underestimated because your size and everything. And you said, you know, and you use that. You use that for fuel. You use that uh, little for a chip on your shoulder. Say, Okay. Okay. You want to talk about my size? That's fine, but you still got to, you still got to beat me. You know, and so that you yeah. kind of use that as fuel, right?
1: Absolutely. Uh My mom was always big on saying, I thought it was lame at the time sometimes, but she was right. She was like, yeah, my big things come in little packages and so I was that kid that had to hear that message um all the time but my, my confidence was high because I put the work in Johnny. yeah um I was the kid in high school people would call the high school there's somebody hitting at the cages at 12 30 after midnight one o'clock in the morning the coaches gave me a key to the cage I was that kid right yeah. and so um I put the work in. My confidence was high. I knew I could do different things on the field that other people couldn't do. And I knew my consistency had been worked so well that um, it would be tough to beat me because I was going to work it with my strength. My strength was speed, line drives, and good defense. And if I could do those things to the best of my ability, it's going to be hard to beat me.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. been here you you give what you're doing now. I, I'm so impressed with this whole program and what you're doing for for underprivileged kids and and, and trying to just change the world, uh, you know, one person at a time, right? And this this is something that right. is so important. It's in your heart. And, and I just I love what you're doing and I, I'm so uh uh intrigued with it and want to hear more about it and i want you to tell the folks a little bit more about it what what you told me earlier before we were uh, actually recording about what what the goal is with with your whole with the program
1: yeah the the the, the organization is we fam united um founded the organization about four years ago uh, got a wonderful team um everybody's on board on mission we've done great things we've done um uh, summer camps we've also uh kick-started a father's initiative we also do a feed the city and toy giveaway where it's just complete love to the community unity strength and wellness and um we are now embarking on what i think is the most impactful the largest part of our journey is beginning right now and that is our baseball and softball after school program with nonviolence life skills we've now partnered and have a healthy feeding program with this we have a tutoring school attached to us, and now we have um, two Sprinter vans for transportation, starting off with 40-plus kids and um, set for growth and expansion um, completely in an inner city. One of the um, one of the more crime-rated, um, underprivileged areas of the city that we're from, and uh, it's making great impact already, and we're just trying to continue to expand that effort and scale it to communities that need it.
0: I love that, and you're working with Tyson Ross too, who we love. Uh, and uh, you guys together, it. you guys together are are going to uh, change the world. I mean, really, it's, yeah. it's
1: pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Tyson. You know, we played in Oakland together. Came up through the minor leagues, even in high school. Me and Tyson were going to area codes and things, and yeah, he was a top prospect pitcher. I was a top prospect infielder, and um, man, I didn't like facing that guy slider. Right. Like he was he was nasty. Nasty, nasty, yeah. nasty, yeah. Yeah. Seriously. And uh I knew I could hit, but I was like, ah, right, give me somebody else so I can show these guys what I can do. This dude, I gotta like, I gotta punch it, you know. Um, but uh we we connected on the on a personal side as well. So he's a solid individual, great character, and we both see the benefit in this mission. So uh we'll be in the Bay Area coming up here very soon, um, probably towards the end of March, early April and doing some great, amazing things for the community, um, along with Archie Gilbert out there, definitely.
0: All right. Hey, Jay, I can't wait to see you out there. I'll see you when you come out, and I, I can't wait to be a part of this and, and uh, uh, part of this, this kickball tournament. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time.
1: We need you out there, man. You're the voice of the West. You're the voice of the <laughs> West, Johnny D. Let's go. Put it out there all right he hey, Jim, Jamal
0: thank you so much for being here you. love you great to see you and uh, we will uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon
1: okay top soon man got love for you too bro And uh, keep it going Johnny. thank you for listening to the Rivercats 9 Lives podcast hosted by Johnny Dosco please like subscribe and share with all your baseball loving friends and make sure to follow us on Twitter Instagram TikTok YouTube and Facebook